Hello, this is Robert Barge. Welcome to Redemption's Table, where every week we will gather around this table with a special guest to explore the most appetizing ingredient in this menu called life, redemption. I believe in redemption. I believe everybody hungers for redemption, everybody. And the truth is, redemption is all around us every day. It is a recipe that God the Creator sets before us every single moment of our lives. Unfortunately, so much emphasis is placed upon the bad, many have difficulty seeing, experiencing, and tasting the good. So I'm setting out on a journey, going table to conversation, to accentuate the reality of redemption in the lives of everyday people like you and me. A reality that, I believe, finds its ultimate expression in Jesus of Nazareth, who is the not-so-secret ingredient to the redemption we all seek. So, come hungry, join the meal, because party of redemption, your table is now ready. Well, there you are. Welcome back to Redemption's Table. This is pretty awesome. We're in the springtime. The last podcast I did was just yesterday where I actually sat down to a table and had a conversation with someone, hadn't been able to do that in over a year, and here I am two days in a row at another restaurant table, and I am sitting here talking today with Robert Mullins. Robert, welcome to Redemption's Table. Thank you so much for having me, man. This is an honor, and yes, it is good to be doing this today. Feels great. It does. It's, uh, we're, we're at Habaneros. That's right. And we're in Millbrook, Alabama. So. Yep, one of the staples. We love it here. My wife and I, we, uh, as I was telling you earlier, we do Taco Thursday, and we grab some food, take it home, and have a good time. And now we're able to start getting back out and having having a good time in public. So that's good, too. Well, I follow your recommendation, and yeah. I've eaten here several times because this is just oh, right yeah. around the corner from where I live. But what do we have today? Tacos Especiales, which is kind of like your street taco with the corn tortilla and uh, steak and chicken and, man, all the good stuff, chorizo sausage on the side and all that. And all the good stuff that's on there, you got your lime and your onions and all the grilled, everything's just awesome. So uh, nothing like a big slab of, of uh, guacamole or the, uh, what is it called, the avocado, avocado. right there on top. So uh, it's just beautiful. Yeah, really good. Well, I've eaten here off and on for seven, eight years, and I will tell you, this is the best meal I've ever there had. There Habaneros. It. Right there. It's good. I'm sorry I'm fixing a, a tell a joke here. I'm not a joke <laughs> guy, but uh, I, I learned a new joke recently, and I don't remember the jokes. But anyway, here's the, here's the new joke I learned. Uh, did you hear about the little pepper who could not practice archery? I did not. He didn't have an arrow. <laughs> I'll have to use that one. I like it. <laughs> Although they'll look at me like I'm, you know, the old guy in the room. Yeah, exactly. That's why I don't tell jokes like that. <laughs> uh, yeah, the dad joke. The right? dad joke, exactly. Yeah. You have been uh, at. T- tell us where you are. You've been at the. You've, you're a pastor of a church locally yeah. here in Elmore, mm-hmm. Alabama. That's right. Uh, name of the church because name when you came and, yeah, and, yeah. and you have changed names. And, right. Uh, I am the pastor, at, or the lead pastor at um, Crossroads Community Church, and it's in Elmore. Uh, when God called me there, it was called Mount Hebron Baptist Church West, and the church had been there 170 years, and about five years into my tenure, God uh, said it's time to change the name and change some of the perspective uh, to reach our culture and community better. And so he changed our name to Crossroads Community Church, and the first Sunday that we actually had service under that name, we had two families from Eclectic, 
and one family from Prattville, and those two families lived about an hour apart from each other, and we were literally the crossroads for them to be at our church. So it was pretty significant, and it was also pretty um, evident that God was calling us to do that, and um, we've seen some great things in the last almost three years now, two and a half years, yeah. That's cool. That's awesome. Mm -hmm. Yeah. We've known each other, or known of each other, probably the last two to three years. Right. Um, and before the pandemic hit, I was planning on having this conversation and, and sitting down to the table. I, but I know through friends, I have friends in your uh, that go to your church, and had known a little bit about you and some of the things you do there at the church. And you and I share several things in common. And after, after we've been talking here for. 30, 40 minutes at the table before we started conversation. We have even more in common, but the two things that caught my attention, number one, I know you're a huge Mark Batterson fan, a right. pastor at NCC, which I am too. Uh, and That's the right. other thing is you have a heart for discipleship. Okay. I do yeah. as well. Uh, when I was living in Alabama, my goodness, 40 years ago, I did discipleship conferences across the state. And of course, then I was out of the state of Alabama for 30 years, came back. Anyway, I, I don't do that. Discipleship has always been a heartbeat of whatever I've done, wherever I've done it, and wherever I've been. And I understand yeah. you share that heartbeat as well. Right. I, uh, it's, uh, you know, discipleship sounds like a formal word, and it is because it means a lot of things to different, to, to different, uh, different things to people. Uh, typically, when you say discipleship, somebody that's in the church is going to think a certain time on a day that they go to a class, and that is not what I mean by discipleship at all. Discipleship or disciple-making is intentionally entering into someone's life to teach them all these things that I've taught you, is what Jesus said. And so um, disciple-making is um, a lifestyle. It's not a program. It's not um, necessarily even—I mean, it is a process, of course— but it's certainly not just a curriculum or anything like that. It, it, life is the curriculum when you get down to it. And you got to be willing to spend time with people and to intentionally invest. Um, I was uh, challenged one day, one day uh, met some pastors, and I was supposed to be this big disciple maker or whatever. And this guy come, came up to me, first met him in the morning, and he said, so I have a question for you. He said, what would you have in your quiet time this morning, and who are you discipling? And I was kind of like step back a little bit like whoa I don't know you <laughs> right and you're asking me some personal questions mm-hmm. like what's up but the reality was this was a brother in Christ and he had every right and freedom according to scripture to ask me those two questions because Jesus said hey follow me and I'll teach you to fish for people and so there's your who are you discipling question and then he said abide in me remain in me and you'll bear much fruit which there's your quiet time and so it all goes together, and what I've realized is that if I can answer those two questions every day, that I'm in the Word, I'm with God, I'm abiding in Him, and I'm making disciples, then I'm doing what He's called us to do. And that has nothing to do with my job. It has nothing to do with my uh, title as a pastor. It has more to do with my fellowship as a believer and a disciple of Jesus. Okay. Yeah. That's great. Great. Uh opening statement there about discipleship and the nature of discipleship and it kind of falls up or plays right into the hands of the two questions I was going to ask you and in some ways you've answered them and yet I want to zoom out first and then I want to zoom in first I want to zoom out let's say you know somebody's listening to this podcast and uh, they're not a a person of faith Um, okay would you would you tweak that 
description of what discipleship is to maybe um, uh, to help somebody understand who's outside of the church yeah, and doesn't not have really, but I think I could paint the picture for them to understand what it looks like. Okay. Okay. So if I was the um, the manager, okay, the store manager at Home Depot, mm-hmm. all right, and I wanted to get the assistant store managers to do a certain job in a certain way. The best way for me to get them to do that is to intentionally invest in them, show them how to do it, teach them all the components of what it is, what it's made up of, and then slowly and surely move from me teaching them to not just them watching and observing me, but them helping me, and then me helping them as they do it, and then being able to cut them free to do it themselves, and not only to do it themselves, but to train others under them. Okay. So it's a it's a apprenticeship. It's understanding that I'm going to teach you these things, and then I'm going to support you as you learn how to do them yourself, and then I'm going to cheer you on as you're doing it and continuing the process with others. That intentionally investing for you. And so I, I think that's how I would describe it, that this process that Jesus showed us, this model that he created, was, was nothing short of what life is all about mm-hmm. when we teach and train and equip those that come behind us. That's excellent. And, and you, you see the world a lot of times emulating the pattern that he set in oh, Scripture. Yeah. Sure. Uh, and, and even if you look in Scripture, disciple, uh, the first words for disciple were not in the New Testament. Um, there were disciples in the Old Testament. You see um, relationships where there is a mentor, a mentee, that kind of process. I mean, you see Joshua as a disciple of Moses. Mm-hmm. And um, you see, I love the story where Joshua gets to go up uh, on the mountain with Moses. Mm-hmm. He gets to stand guard and make sure nobody else comes. And he's the one that Moses entrusts. And, and then all of a sudden, who gets to lead the people in? To the promised land. It's Joshua. Yeah. So there you go. Elijah, Elisha. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, that, the whole that, thing. Yeah, just, uh, it's always there. And then, of course, I mean, we, and I think it's this, I think it's, if there's truth, then it's God's truth. And so that's part of the process. Being a disciple, being uh, an apprentice, you learn from those who go before you, and it always works that way. We've zoomed out. Let's zoom in. Yeah. I, you know, from the question that you received from the man at the conference about your right. own personal mm-hmm. discipleship, describe your personal discipleship. Uh, yeah. You know, like this month, right now, this yeah. morning, or what's going on, you know, maybe since the last year, since the yeah. pandemic's come along. You know, just kind of give us Well, an I idea have a, um, a unique perspective on that. So the pandemic honestly didn't wreck disciple making. It, mm-hmm. it, I mean, uh, that what's kind of funny for us is that um, we this idea of oh we've got to learn how to use zoom now um, <laughs> we were using zoom five years ago as a matter of fact it wasn't zoom it was Google Hangouts and we were using Google Hangouts when you know it wasn't a thing and then zoom started and everybody now that's the that's the language now um, but the reason was because I was being discipled by a guy in Atlanta and there were guys in Mississippi, there were guys in Texas, there were guys in Tennessee that were a part of that huddle and we had seven guys from all over the country that were on a weekly call that were being discipled. So first of all, I've got to be discipled, mm-hmm. okay? And so that looks like um, the continual process of the people that have discipled me in the past, they're still free to come into my life. I, I'm free to go to them and they disciple me continually. Um, you would you would potentially call some of them mentors, 
Um, but I would even call it a little step further where they have some uh, rights of accountability that go pretty deep to make sure that I'm still the learner that I need to be. Uh, Maxwell says that any leader that stops learning is not a leader anymore. You know, when you stop learning, you're not, you stop leading. And so uh, we try to make sure that that's not an option, that you continue in that process. It looks like for me, being a disciple maker, I need to answer those questions every day. Who are you discipling? And um, it needs to be, obviously, I'm discipling my children. I'm discipling the people at church as I preach and those sorts of things. But what I've found is, as a, as a pastor, a lot of times those are the easy cop-outs. And the, the thing that I've got to make sure that I'm doing is I'm a person, I'm a man, and I'm a follower of Jesus aside from anything else that I quote-unquote do. Mm-hmm. So I have to be able to be accountable to others by making sure that I'm discipling others along the way. Right now, um, I am discipling five men, mm-hmm. and we meet together. We met together before we got here today. Um, we have an hour that we uh, we go through and we work through things in the Bible. I, we call them irreducible minimums. Like, you can't get any smaller than this. You can't reduce this anymore. I want to teach them the foundations of everything it means to be a disciple. Just like the Home Depot store manager would teach the assistant manager all these things that they need to learn and do so that they can multiply that leadership. I want to do the same thing. My guys know that in the end of a year, in the end of a year and a quarter, end of a year and a half, whatever the time is, there will be a multiplication time where they are going to go and begin discipling other people. And and it really happens along the way, as you will. Um, like we've begun identifying family members, whether it's grandsons or sons or um, people around them, neighbors, that they can go ahead while I'm discipling them, that they'll begin discipling those people. And that looks like literally skin, you know, flesh on flesh, like uh, man on man, and I'm discipling those guys right now. I also disciple pastors. Um, we have huddles that we do on Zoom that I'm discipling pastors for a um, period of a year and walk through those. I just finished uh, last fall uh, with a group, and I'm about to start a new group. Um, in April, we have a big conference coming up, and we're going to uh, have new, like, sign-up kind of list on that. And um, and that's in the other organization that I'm part of. And we've discipled, gosh, probably near 300 pastors right now in the state of Alabama. Wow. And it's pretty neat. That it's over cool. the last five years. Yeah. And so, um, and, it, and it multiplies, so it's going to continue to grow. And we're really excited about those things. So that's what it looks like. It's real practical for me. Um, and I, I very often go back to that conversation of, you know, what did you what did you hear from the Lord today Mm -hmm. and who are you discipling? Because if I can answer those two questions and I understand, I'm not really the professional on this one, but I understand that that came from uh, like the, the navigators Mm -hmm. uh, on, on college campus and, and some of those uh, connect groups that they got students to ask those two questions every day because it gave some super accountability to being a disciple maker. And that's what I, that's what I want to be more than anything else. And so I want our church to get that. Like, I want to disciple our church to understand the, the, the mandates that Jesus gave us. He said, love God, love people, and make disciples. Those are the three things he said. You could take everything else he said and line them up under those three things. I mean, he, he's, you know, all these things that he said, which he said a lot of great, wonderful things, 
you could line them up under those three mandates, um, which are the obviously the commandments that love God and love people, and then the commission or the mission, mm-hmm. really, in Matthew 28 when he said, go and make disciples. And that's what we're supposed to be about. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it, and you, you used the word earlier, lifestyle. It is a lifestyle, pursuing God, uh, you know, listening to God's voice, giving yourself uh, margin in your life to hear God's voice mm-hmm. and spend time alone with Him. You mentioned the term quiet time a minute ago. Right, right. Um, yeah. In which, you know, I know what you mean. And most people, yeah. most people, not all, but most people in church would know what you mean. But again, how, you know, somebody who's tuned in and, and sure. they're like, uh, you know, they're outside yeah. of faith or, you know, just not. Anytime, and anytime I would say quiet time, mm-hmm. And, and I hope I said this, but it'd be quiet time with God. Yeah, you did. Like, you did. like I would always make sure that that it's it's that time that I'm with the Lord. And the way that works is uh, every morning, um, 5 a.m. the alarm goes off. Mm-hmm. Sometime between 5 and 6, I don't have to be at work. It, you know, my wife gets up earlier. She's on the move. But sometime while she's on the move, I'm going to get up and I'm going to sit down and I'm going to spend some quiet time with God. What that means is. Um, through His Word in the, in the Scripture in the Bible, I'll let uh, you know a passage of Scripture, usually not more than one chapter of something, resonate uh, during that time, and then I'll be writing in my journal about it. So I think that the most important two, three things are devotional, good devotional. I use God Calling um, that I've used for thirty years, mm-hmm. and uh, since a high school graduation, and um, it's a great tool. And then the, the Scripture, of course, which is God's Word. And then I reflect re- and, and pray about it and, and use the journal to write through those things. Uh, the rest, the reflection, the prayer, uh, all that stuff. So it's good. If somebody came up to you and said, and this is even possible within church, you know, I've never heard God speak to me. Right. How do you train someone or yeah. tune someone no, to have the yeah. God ear. No, that's fine. What that's would you say question. to them? Well, I think journaling is a massive part of that. Mm-hmm. Um, I I don't know if you know this, but I have a book called uh, Write It Down, and it's one that I wrote. I thought I remember you wrote, wrote a book, so we're also right. talking to an author, folks. Yeah, that's there it. you go. Uh, but it's it's called Write It Down, mm-hmm. and, and it's, un, it's hilarious you asked the question, but it's how to hear from God, basically okay. uh, how to unlock your ability to hear from God. And the way you do that is when you're studying the Scripture, you hear from God because He speaks in His Word, mm-hmm. period. Okay? What happens is so many times when we hear God speak in His Word or we're driving down the road and we're some, we hear the Holy Spirit, we don't write those things down. And so even in, the, even in the morning we say, oh, we won't get that. Even in a sermon somewhere we say, oh, well, I'll hear that later or whatever. And we don't write those things down. And what happens is when you write them down, Scripture tells us clearly, Habakkuk uh, chapter 2, verses 1 through 3, write them down, you'll hear the vision, write that down, and then God will come through when He, when he wants to. So, and, and honestly, you talked about our name change of our church. The first time I wrote down the question, is it time for us to change the name of our church, was two and a half years before we did it. Mm-hmm. And the reason was because of some things that were going on in the community that really didn't have to do with the life of the church as much as it was the past of the church in the community, the neighborhood. And I needed we needed to ask that question because what we were doing was inadvertently turning people away and we didn't even know even even know it. Yeah. And yeah. God was saying that to us 
two and a half years before we ever did it. And, um, and, a, and a few other times before we did it, those questions became even more. And so we were able to say and identify that, that God was speaking and we were needing to act on that. Um, and you took, mentioned Mark Batterson. Mm-hmm. So one thing that, uh, that Batterson talks about is circling your prayers, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. And so in, in when you hear from God in Scripture and you write that prayer down, that you're able to circle that prayer. And what's so cool about it is you're able to go back in your journal and, and write the answer. God answered this prayer on so-and-so and so-and-so, and you're able to write it down where it happened. You can't do that if you don't write it down. Yeah. So you just can't. Yeah. You, you, you can. You can try your best. You can make an effort. But you can't get it as clear and precise if you don't write down what you hear him say and then follow it up in the future. So, Batterson says the shortest pencil is longer yeah. than the longest memory. There's no question. Yeah. And that's exactly the point. And, and you know, when I wrote the book, people were like, oh, you're just, you're just so, so, you're big on this journaling thing and discipleship. That's who you are. You know, you're the discipleship guy, the journal guy. Well, that's fine. But I'll tell you this. It's a tool that I had never used before God really got my attention. Mm -hmm. Okay? And when I started really journaling, when I started really writing things down, it really did unlock that ability to hear what God was trying to say to me. Because it made it practical, but it also made it applicable. Mm -hmm. I could actually go and apply what God was saying to my life. And I found in Scripture that I didn't make it up. Yeah. That it's all over the Bible when the king says in the Old Testament, "Hey, go get the book of records so I can see what happened." Yeah, you know, go get, uh, you know, go get the tablet. Mm-hmm. You know, write this down on a tablet. Well, what do you think that is? The etching in stone? No, the tablet is a rolled parchment. It is a journal back in the day. Yeah, and so uh, that's all over the scripture. It's basically like this: we know of the discipline of prayer, we know of the discipline of fasting. But journaling in Scripture is exactly one of those disciplines that is maybe the forgotten one, yeah. but it's it's a huge one. Yeah, and I agree with you. It's hugely important. It's uh, you know I started journaling intensely, have been all along uh, throughout my walk of faith, but especially within the last ten years. And here's what I've discovered: so many times I, I'm focused first thing in the morning. I'm focused. My attention is with with God. And journal. I'll write something in my journal. You know, get on about my day, come back, and what I do—I do this every morning. Part of part of my morning time is when I sit down. I'll go back and read, yeah. reread, look at everything I looked at the day before. Right. You know, if there was a book, and I'll look where I underlined. I'll reread that. I'll you know in scripture, and, and then I'll pick up my journal. I cannot tell you how many times I picked up my journal, and I'm like, oh my goodness. Yeah. Uh, that was 24 hours ago. This is where I was. This is what I wrote. It already, yeah. it had already escaped my memory, and just, and then, I, and then I'm even more fastidious about it, about a, every week. That's right. I'll go back and look at the whole week of the highlights, yeah. and I'm like, what is God saying? And I, by doing that and taking that extra discipline to do that, it's amazing how some it gives you perspective, where you suddenly you can see a pattern of where mm-hmm. God is nudging you toward, That's or right. where He's nudging you, what He's nudging you away from. So. That's it. That's awesome. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. In our course of our conversation, one of the things I learned, you're also not only, you know, we know you're an author, you're, you're a pastor, a discipler, uh, but you're also an artist. Right. I just learned that right. about you. Tell us a little mm-hmm. bit about your art. Well, I've been, uh, I've been an artist really all my life. Uh, you know, as I was a kid, I was, went to art class and all that kind of stuff, painting on anything I could find, all that kind of stuff, uh, graphic designer in college. Thought I was going to be in the advertising world, uh, you know, professionally, but God called me to 
go to seminary instead. My senior year in college, there I was, and God said, go to seminary, get trained, and, and be a pastor. So we did that. Uh, kind of derailed some of the art, but I was doing graphic design all the time. Like, I never stopped doing it. I was the only guy in seminary that, that basically had a art computer. You know, back mm-hmm. in the day, computers were, were, were you know, artifacts, you know, now, mm-hmm. of course. But you had to get specific ones. And I think I was the only guy in seminary back in the day that had a laser printer. I like bet you I did actually, a ton of logos, did I, actu- I did. I did. <laughs> I had a ton of logos I was doing all the time. And, uh, you know, the clip art, cut and paste stuff was, was all, you know, we were doing. And um, But so the art thing's always been a deal. But in, during COVID, now you asked about a COVID question earlier about disciple making. But really during COVID is when God really ramped up my painting and um, got with some lessons a few years ago and hanging out with a great artist named Don Sawyer in Wetumpka area and uh, he trained and equipped me. I was discipling him uh, and he was in one of my disciple groups and then he started discipling me in painting, right? And um, just some life stuff, man, he just taught me some great things. Um, but really how to, how to get some colors right and learn how to do that, learn how to paint with a knife and uh, so we started just kind of going to town with all that stuff and Probably about two years ago, uh, maybe three years ago, I sold my first painting, and then during COVID, um, Don put together a, a group of artists, and um, man, we have never looked back. I mean, it's the business, uh, that side hustle business is moving, growing, all that. Uh, this morning, um, just launched a, a website. So, And what's the website? Because yeah. I'm going I'm to post it on the, yeah. our website when this podcast airs, Please, but yeah. just tell me. Well. It's called PreacherManArt.com. And uh, so uh, when you see Preacher Man Art, that's me. I've, I've got a, um, there's actually, it's not on Instagram, so don't go on Instagram because it's one guy who's got a few followers and I'm going to have to try to pay him for the name, right? <laughs> we'll see how that works. But uh, PreacherManArt.com is the website and has officially been dropped today. It's on. It's live. Um, but I love to talk to people about doing uh, special commissions of maybe a house or something that's special to them. Mm-hmm. Do a lot of churches, do a lot of, I call it the passion tree. Um, and um, it's just kind of a special tree that I do that reminds me of the cross. And um, anything I can do. I'm, I'm, I'm a child of the 80s. I love rock and roll and uh, I love to paint Stratocaster guitars and acoustic guitars and that sort of stuff. And um, anything and everything that I could do, I will. Yeah. But uh, anything crosses my mind, I get on it. So, God is everywhere, oh, and yeah. God works through all kinds of mediums: film, oh, music. Awesome. Uh, sure. You know, so search, search for God and finding God and finding Christ. You know, it's just it, it's a you know a, just a seeking. You know, He says, "Seeking, you'll find." And, oh yeah. And, and uh, you know, God speaks. And so that's just really cool. Just got, you know, in addition to everything else you're doing, yeah, you learn learn about your art. So, yeah, it is cool. Uh, you're, it's reminiscent of me. I've just seen it for the first time today. Yeah. There was a guy who lived in, in I want to say, the North Georgia mountains. Okay. well known. I can't think of the guy's name. Uh, either uh, Blackhawk, a uh, country rock okay. band from back in the day, wrote yeah, a song know. about him. guy lived up in the mountains. Uh, huh. Yeah, I can't think of the guy's name. He's real famous. You see, I remember being in the High Museum in Atlanta one time and seeing his artwork there. Oh, very yeah. Very distinct. And yours well, is very distinct. Then I'm, I'm honored to be compared to that. Yeah. That's cool. Um, What's the, I'm going to ask you an off-the-wall question to kind of wrap us up here uh, in just the next few minutes. Uh, what's the quirkiest thing about Robert Mullins? Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Don't ask my wife that question. You'll be doing a 30-minute podcast just on that. She's she's agreed to sit down with me next yeah, week. Yeah, so really? We're, I'm we're telling gonna pick you, man. Apart. <laughs> just, 
the quirkiest thing. Or one of the quirkiest things, because I'm quirky to the bone. I'm just, um, I believe we're all fearfully and wonderfully weird. I I don't know if this is the thing, but there's like, I'm going to wear shorts as much as I can. Like, you know, I showed up today, you know, I'm the preacher of a church and I'm supposed to have on khakis and tucked in shirt, you know, look nice and everything. I'm going to wear shorts as much as I can. I mean, it's hot outside, right? Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's above 70. I'm in shorts. I love it. Okay. And um, my favorite outfit is shorts with a hoodie. (laughs) I love it. And, And the hoodie these days, the last year or so, is my favorite, favorite outfit right now is shorts and a flannel shirt. Okay. Good. I've got one brand of thick flannel shirts that I love. And so that means that really I love the mountains. Mm-hmm. And so in those cool spring days, uh, I love the shorts with a hoodie or a flannel or something like that. Um, but I don't know if that's quirky enough uh, for you. No, I'm I just a weirdo. I yeah. mean, I, I'm, I'm pretty eccentric guy. I love, I love all kinds of music. I love, I will, I love to evangelize people on the newest, you know, song or thing out there. Mm-hmm. And, tell them all about that I want them to be as passionate about it as I am so uh, I understand you know, that heart yeah we share that heart you know, yeah. um, that's, that's a great question I have to evaluate what's quirky <laughs> what, you could ask my wife or my kids yeah. they'll tell you how weird I am well it's funny you, you talked about the shorts and the hoodie because in the dead of winter sometimes yeah. I'll, I'll go out to the park and when I walk and I wear shorts and in you know cover up my arms and, yeah yeah so that's funny you should say that. Yeah. That's right. Well, that's been a pleasure. Man, me too. Down. Thank you so much. Uh, maybe down the road we can have another follow-up conversation. And, yeah, that'd be great. Uh, you know, I know your church. Uh, know a lot of folks in your church, good folks. And it's just a pleasure to get to know you. And looking forward to now that I know your favorite eating spot. You know, hey. even though we may not do a podcast next time we're here, but uh, those here tacos are special. I'll be hollering back at you. There so. you go, man. For those of you listening, thank you for tuning in, and you know that uh, we try to do this every week, and now we've moved, I don't know if you've noticed or not, we've moved from Mondays to Wednesdays, but uh, just be listening next time we give the call. Party of Redemption, your table is now available, and uh, thank you for being with us. Thank you again, Robert. You're welcome. It's been a pleasure. Bye.